0: Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle, medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins, and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey, what's up,
1: everybody? We're back with another episode of the Dr. Dad's Podcast. Dr. David Wardy. it's just
0: you and me today, buddy. I'm excited, man. We've had a lot of guests, amazing guests. The lineup has been pretty superb, I would say, for the last month or so. So for our listeners, if you have not, uh, our latest, what are we on, 66 now? 67, so, buddy. Oh, yeah. So get, go back for the last five, six episodes. Those are some great episodes, some amazing guests. Um, and uh, today we get to hit pretty important topic, man. We haven't been at this one in, you know... I'm excited to just hang out with you for a little bit. Yeah,
1: yeah, because we don't get this, this th- that often, especially with all the guests that we've had. Yeah. So, so it's we're gonna been, talk about. Um, yeah, we're gonna talk about intermittent fasting today. And the main reason why is because obviously it's a, it's a big lifestyle practice. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that we're doing this all the time. Um, we also do it in a slightly different way with more variation. But nonetheless, it's a big part of our lives. And uh, both of us came across a study that maybe you have already but that was put out by uh, Dr. Weiss. And, uh, and there was an Insider article that came out, and I'll read the title for you. So intermittent fasting alone does not boot, boost weight loss and could cause loss of muscle mass, according to a new study. So I'll give you some of the highlights of of what came up in this article. Uh, According to Dr. Weiss, fasting for 16 hours a day may not make a significant difference for weight loss or other health measures such as blood sugar control, according to a new study. The researchers found no difference in weight loss or metabolic health between people who fasted and a control group during a 12-week study, when both groups consumed roughly the same amount of calories. Uh, That suggests fasting may work only if it helps people cut calories. So it's taking us back to the caloric model. Uh, The study also found, found fasting could lead to significant loss of muscle mass, leading to weakness and risk of weight gain or weight regain. Um, when you hear those those comments what like what do you first think because i mean we have to get i mean i want to hear what you think and then let's talk about what does a reader think because many readers don't actually investigate further than the headline uh but not those of you who are listening because you guys like to dive a little bit deeper Uh, but what's your first thoughts
0: honestly man i think uh the thing that irked me the most is as soon as I kind of got an inkling of it because like it spreads really fast right fasting is a very hot topic the first thing that came to mind I was like oh here we go like everyone's always questioned it already and now that it's like finally becoming somewhat mainstream people are taking pokes at it and it's bound to happen right I mean there are some things that we're going to discuss a little bit that uh, people need to be aware of and, and when it comes to doing a practice like this but yeah, man, it, it's, it's, it's very impactful because there's a lot of conventional wisdom or I feel like there's so many things that get lost in that in between that people don't have an understanding of, because like you said, it is a practice and there, there, there is a lot of, um, inklings depending on the person that need to be paid attention to by someone who is very experienced, like a doctor to guide you through something like this, because everybody's body's different. Everybody's health is in a different place. And when you do a study like this man like there's so many variables that, that that aren't in place of what they're looking at and then to make that big of a claim off that that's what kind of just irks me a little bit when I read something like that. Yeah. Cuz well, people just don't know better. They don't know how to look at this from more of an objective standpoint. You know what I mean? And have the background that, you know, a lot of health professionals do or just engineers and be able to say, okay, with, based off what they're saying, how many holes are punched in this this answer that they're trying to give that's so broad? I mean, this happened with cholesterol back in the eighties on a dumb study, right? Yeah. that just like blew it hit mainstream and it completely changed the way people look at cardiovascular health and so many other things. So I don't want this to happen to fasting because it's a very important practice for many people that will help improve and optimize their health. And you just need to know and be experienced or work with someone who's experienced with it to guide you through it properly.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to mirror everything you said, um, obviously. And I think another important thing to, to always you know, connect uh, as a doctor or someone who's helping people is, is to also just question what we're doing. So, you know, when I first read this, I actually, one of my first responses was, you know, good for you, Dr. Weiss for, you know, just challenging this new sort of paradigm of fasting. And I think it's an important one you know, I, my hat's off to anyone who challenges anything and wants to look a little further. So, you know, that, that was my first response. And the second response was like, how is this, how is this possible? I need to read more about the study to figure out what's actually there. And I think a lot of people take too much information at face value. And so that's, that's what my next concern was, was, you know, people may read this and then question everything uh, that they're doing and stop it for a while. And, and they may have been on a really good path. Cause as you read just the article, not the study, You'll find that Dr. Weiss even mentioned that, you know what, I felt pretty good doing this fasting and I did it for six years and it was like I noticed a benefit from doing it and yet after doing this study, this this amazing study, <laughs> I don't do it anymore. And so there's this feeling of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater, not trusting the intuition of the body, not trusting someone's own experience but running it through a study and then negating what you did for the last six years. I mean, I found that to be really interesting and, and not the fact that, like, he could have also, he could have came to that conclusion and go, hmm, is there something unique about these 116 obese people that we studied? Or what is it in me that, I've, uh, that I found benefit from? I'm going to keep investigating. But it was kind of like, I decided to go back to the three meals or the, and again, this is how the article was written. So who knows what his actual thought process was. I mean, we can't, we can only just uh, conjecture about it. But the, the reality is, is that, you know, if I came to that realization, I would start asking questions. Okay, well, why did I feel better? Why did it work for me? And what am I missing And why it's
0: not working for the other, these other people? Go ahead, buddy. I'm, you know, I'm listening, man. You're absolutely right. A hundred percent. And, but like I was just talking earlier before we got on, you can't fit all answers to what happens with our health and what changes we get when you put it into this box of the scientific method and this dogma that we have in medicine that everything has to be researched. And there's so many things you can punch in this model that we're trying to use, okay? And that's not to say that research is not beneficial to help us get guidance in what direction we need to go. But when you look at fasting, there's a lot of studies, right, that you and me have actually seen that show the benefits. And, I mean, there's even been studies with humans. Dr. Walter Vlongo, right, he did a big study at USC. And didn't he, it was on, it was on a human population that he was doing it?
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, his book, his book, the longevity diet uh, goes over a ton of the different studies that use the, the fasting mimicking diet, which is much different than the way Dr. Weiss obviously did his, uh, his protocols, but yeah, you, you bet. I mean, there's a ton of research that's out there.
0: Yeah. And we could, I mean, Dr. Jason Fung stuff. I mean, there's always other people that that are showing literally the research and the benefits for people's health when it comes to things like that. So. I don't know, man. It's just one of those conventional wisdom things. I always wonder why these things get thrown out. And it's, it's good because it stirs the pot, like you're saying, and it's good to get challenged because I honestly think it's going to just wash away because people are going to realize like, yeah, that's a bogus study. Like someone's yeah. just trying to, because there's not enough info there and I don't think it was done well enough in that study because you and my, I know that like, for example, this calorie counting type stuff, is bogus that you can't I mean that doesn't work so let's talk a little bit about what are these major things that that probably people need to understand that play a bigger part when you do this practice
1: yeah well I think even just referencing you know why is it why would someone want to fast to begin with and so we've done a ton of podcasts on why we find in practices is important so Hormone optimization, we know there's a massive rise in growth hormone, there's an increase in testosterone in doing this, Um, uh, uh, giving your digestive system a break, so helping with the microbiome and maybe, you know, increasing autophagy and some of that breakdown process, the recycling of, you know, bad fats or inflamed tissue or scars or pathogens or other things like that. Um, so really and it's helping to stir this metabolic flexibility this ability of the body to also use fat as a fuel which you can do on a more ketogenic diet or carnivore diet Um, but you can also do with fasting and and then actually you can increase those ketones much more quickly in a fasted state versus a true ketogenic diet Um, and so we have to remember why we're doing that and so we do that because the research shows that you know cancer doesn't like ketones um the body is less inflamed uh alzheimer's patients their 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 brains can still actually use ketones for energy if, as a fuel source i mean just in that subjectively you know i've noticed way less immune difficulty with you know colds and flus I mean, my energy is better my brain fogs but be- i mean my brain's sharper uh, muscular wise i mean i absolutely noticed a change in, in muscle mass increase despite not doing a ton of exercise. because I first started doing this when I had my, my first boy or my, my first child and I wasn't sleeping well and I didn't have a whole lot of time for exercise and I measured my before and after six months and I put on a significant amount of muscle and lost a significant amount of fat um, and that was the only variable that was really different. I would have to say that my quality of life as far as self-care went downhill with the kid, but my body showed the opposite. So, you know, I think it's important to start with why, right? Like, do you want to add anything to that? Like, that's why we f- first started, we're, we're interested in fasting. And then let's, yeah, and then let's jump into the actual, where we well, said.
0: I don't know if you, yeah, I don't know if you said that, like, improving insulin sensitivity. You know, like, they're, like, that's probably the biggest thing, right? The metabolic piece. Yeah. Um, and people, I just want to hit that home is what Nick's saying is like any meta, I mean, that's a pillar for our health. Mm -hmm. And like fasting is a wonderful strategy to support this when it's not where it needs to be and you need to repair this and optimize it. Um, So yeah, man, get into it. Let's talk a little bit about.
1: So problem number one, the first problem is that, I mean, they didn't change the kinds of foods they were eating. So (laughs) (laughs) like you didn't change your macronutrients. Weight gain is not about, caloric intake. It is but a calorie it is says. a calorie, doc. A calorie is a
0: calorie.
1: We have to know that these foods have different effects on our hormones. So really, the macronutrient status of what we're eating is determining the hormone profile. The reason we put weight onto our body is because we're signaling differences in hormones first before it's a caloric problem. So that was problem number one. So let's break that, that one down a little bit.
0: Well, let me add to that. And people, please listen carefully. This is very, very important. Nick said, not all calories are equal depending on your macros, protein, carbs, and fats. But not all macros are equal if you're eating toxic food. So do you think that your body, when you eat something toxic, gives the same hormone profile to that food when it's clean versus full of toxins? Nope. So that's huge, man. Yeah. That went home real quick because it's got to be clean. It's got to be from the source. It's got to be the right stuff. Yeah. And how many people in that study were probably eating toxic food all the time? And (laughs) like,
1: well, uh, like, you know, not to judge anyone, but if, if someone got themselves to where they are as a result of many different things, but we have to put what they put into their body, was definitely a factor in them getting there. So no doubt they yeah. were consuming toxic food to put on that much you know, protection or fat mass on the body. So if they didn't really change what they were eating and just change when they're eating, I wouldn't expect, even with a patient, I wouldn't expect huge, you know, earth-shattering results. It's just not going to happen. Now, so I, th- like, I think that's probably the most important stipulation is that they didn't change what they were eating. So the, there was the regular group, that ate in their normal time frame. Um, and then there was the time restricted eating group, which is AKA the fasting group, which still had their three meals of what they would typically eat in a smaller window of time. So, I mean, if it, and this is, this is a challenge of studies too, right? Cause they're breaking down one variable and expecting a myriad of different things to change. And most, the, the biggest thing they were looking at obviously was that uh, was uh, weight loss so yeah i th- i th- I'm not sure if there's anything else to say on that, but uh, you know other than you know one thing is the macronutrients, but you brought up a really important point, and that's the quality of the mac- macronutrients so if you're if you if you're even following the macronutrient scale, like the higher fat moderate protein low carbohydrate type of rhythm, but eating you know processed foods uh eating you know grain bread and you know uh, cattle with, you know, uh, sprayed with or fed antibiotics or they're eating, you know, pesticides off the grass and, you know, they're the building blocks of, of what you're eating are uh, through that contamination of what the cow is eating. So, you know, if that's the type of quality food that you're consuming with GMOs and pesticides and antibiotics and, you know, whatever other sprays are on there, you're not eating an organic diet. I mean, that's a toxic burden. And we know that hormone disruption is a result of obviously what we're putting into our body, but also that toxicity burden. So that's that's huge. So I'm going to expect to see a, a significant amount of change if you don't change uh, yeah. what you eat, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, you've got to, it's like you're saying, there's got to be more than one variable here a little bit.
1: Yeah. So that that was the problem number one. Uh, the other, I think the, the next problem is that, you know, how do we fast, David? Like we, we implement variation. So let's talk a little bit about variation because there was a, there was a lingering theme that I felt came out, uh, whether it was said or not said, but it was kind of like, why starve yourself if you're not really going to get much of a difference? Um, but what, what does it mean to use a variation strategy and which was
0: obviously not used in this, in this particular study? Uh, you know, that one for me is probably the biggest theme that I saw when I read about it. Was like, if you just left them in the same window for three months straight, yeah, you're, again, you're not going to see a big change because our metabolism doesn't work that way. Like, you and I know, and this is something we teach everybody, that the diet variation with your fasting practice is very important. You cannot do the same thing for an extended period. Your body will desensitize to it and it doesn't give the effect that it gave you at the beginning. Your body gets bored and needs adaptation, right? So it thirsts for more of this adaption. And that's what fasting is, right? It's adaption. So me and Nick talk about, you know, maybe you're in a 16-8 window and then maybe you add in a 24-hour fast once a week and then maybe you switch it up the following week and you do a different variation. And we don't leave anybody on that pattern for sometimes more than 30 days and then we change that pattern just to start changing it up to make their metabolism shift again. So that – I just – I read that and I'm just thinking stagnant fasting practice. Like that wouldn't be good for anybody, even me. Like I don't do that. I I still fast to this day. But I don't ever go three months straight doing intermittent fasting all the time. Like I Mm -hmm. don't do that. That's not, I know that's not good for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You said that beautifully. I I think that's so important is that, you know, it's kind of like exercise. I mean, how many people do you see in your practice who do, you cross it five days a week and I get injured and I'm out for, you know, a long time or whatever it would be, you know, I hear that was from so many people. I keep doing the same thing. I want to go back and exercise again, but I keep getting <laughs> injured. It's kind of like, I'm just going to record you saying that, and I'm going to play it back, and you tell me if you hear anything wrong with that.
0: <laughs> it's the oh, same I thing mean, with fasting. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great analogy there, man. I mean, everybody knows it's the muscle confusion piece, and fasting is no different. You're working a different type of muscle. It's, the, it's your hormones that yeah. you're kind of working with when you fast. And they need confusion too to stay sharp. And if you don't give them that, they get stagnant and you don't get a physiologic effect in a positive direction. And like Nick's saying, you get very little. So huge principle there, man, variation and adaption that's created from that.
1: Totally. So let's talk about the, I mean, I want to, I'm going to dive into some of the, the numbers that I saw. So, I'll I'll tell you exactly what they were testing on this as far as metabolic testing. So they were looking at uh fasting glucose, fasting insulin, um hemoglobin a1c, uh triglycerides, total cholesterol, LDH, HDL levels, um and then they they looked at some sleep tracking with uh, they actually used the Oura ring, which I thought was kind of cool that they brought that in.
0: That is pretty sweet.
1: Yeah. And so when I, when I actually go down and I look at the different groups, okay, I've got the study here in front of me. Let me see if I can pull up the, the PDF of it. Uh, I may take too long. So anyways, when I was looking through the, the study changes, so what it, what it showed was the regular eating group comparing to the, the restricted eating group, and then looked at all these different variables. And what jumped out to me was, first of all, there was a difference not a huge one in, in a few of those markers. Uh, I would say most of the markers, not all the markers. And, and there was a difference between the fasting group and the non-fasting group. And everything was a little bit better in, or most of them were a little bit better in the, in the fasting group. But the one that I think, you know, the one that I would expect to change in someone just restricting their window without doing a huge amount of change in what you eat is the triglycerides. Because if we look at the role of trigly- triglycerides, they're basically the body's last-ditch effort to store that extra sugar, and it's packaged together with that glycerol the fat backbone, right? And there's, you know, so this is, we would expect that if you're, if you're starting to change the metabolic fle- flexibility, as in not eating in such a large window, your body would need time, you know, to burn through your stored glycogen when you're in a fasted state. And so you're going to be breaking down some of that, sugar from the day before before you have your first meal so and sure enough the triglycerides out of all the markers had the largest drop in that fasting group uh, or that was the marker that dropped the most compared to insulin glucose and all those other things which is what one would expect when you're delaying your intake of food because your body's going to have to use that which is stored so i thought that that was a really interesting point and one to show that there was enough of a difference in that particular market to show that there was clearly an effect for the positive in these types of individuals. And we would take that back to, you know, when people are losing fat, especially in obesity, your body knows to burn that visceral fat first before you're getting this massive like waistline or waistline change, Right. And so that's going to be a less of a displacement, but it's basically that fat that's choking your, your organs. Right. All right. So I, I think that, that was an important note that again, it wasn't necessarily highlighted in the study. And David, I mean, when you're running blood work on people, like what do you, what do you usually notice when it comes to triglycerides? Like, is that something that, that you're tracking often or that you're, you're seeing noticeable changes before and after fasting or, you know, implementing some sort of strategy there?
0: You know, as you're talking, man, I'm thinking that wasn't highlighted, right? And I'm thinking even if you did it wrong, like we're talking, and you just did the same same window for three months straight, you're going to see changes and improvements, man, because you're giving the body that rest period. I mean, just that little bit is going to help change some health markers. But when you do it right, like we're talking, yeah, I see massive changes in triglycerides. They come down like a lot. That's probably one of the first things I see drop. Yeah. from doing this practice when it's under the supervision we're doing it right is triglycerides just like slam down really quick. Yeah, totally.
1: So I, you know, I think that these are important things that, you know, if I was the guy running the study, um, I would go, okay, wait a second of these variables, which is the thing that changed the most with, you know, just restricting the meal window, not doing anything else. Cause I think it's, you know, after going through this, I think it's a worthwhile study to go like, look, it's not just one thing that you do to your diet or you, to the, you do to yourself that's going to make all the difference in the world. But I do want to talk about um, um, muscle loss. So what have you noticed with people and why do you think that, uh, that they, sort of, they sort of jump on that discussion of just uh, the muscle loss, uh, why they thought that might become a problem with extended fasting?
0: You know, that's the hot topic with fasting, even in like the athletic realm where fasting is being used for a lot of athletes, the whole muscle talk is, has been a hot topic. And, you know, man, from my personal experience on that, there's, there's two sides to it, but it's the way that you're doing it again. It's the way that you're using that practice. So yeah, if you're not doing it right, I could see that there's going to be, I mean, there's always going to be a mild amount of muscle loss, even in extended fasting but it's the from my understanding of reading the research is it's from damaged cells when you do extended type fasting and you see a drop in muscle uh, mass and you're in that lean mass it's autophagy you're cleaning up damaged protein and damaged cells in the muscle tissue and that's what the body is eating away at and then when you come out of that with that big amount of stem cell burst from doing these these things you're, you're literally replacing that tissue with healthy tissue, right? So, and then they're seeing a lot of these other pathways that are protected, and it's not actual just like we're wasting away type, type deal, right? Mm-hmm. And then I've done what's called alternate day fasting, okay, to, to stay in a fasted mode but then put on muscle. Yeah. And I think I told you we did a podcast a while a long time ago last year for one of my Spartans. In like six weeks, I think it was, I put on like twelve pounds, twelve or thirteen pounds of muscle. And I was intermittent fasting every day, except yeah. for the weekend when I'd have a feast day. And then I but I'd fast intermittent fast six days a week. But it was an alternate tape type deal, right? So I had a big fasting keto day and then I would have a feast day, but I would still intermittent fast the next day. And yeah. I put on a lot of muscle, man. Yeah. Like and and so this whole muscle deal with this thing, like I don't think people understand the process of what's happening and why that is happening from a physiologic. And it seems like like it's kind of like looking at a picture. You're seeing it very broadly versus really understanding why that's taking place. And it's not a wasting thing, man.
1: No. Well, and here's the thing. Like I just – I was managed to pull up the numbers as you're speaking. And so the lean the lean muscle mass in the conventional eating – uh, on average, and this is in weight in kilograms, went from 59.7 down to 59.3. So that's a 0.4 difference. That's in the conventional eating. So they lost some muscle there. Now in the in the time restricted eating group, you went from 60.0 down to 58.9. So that's what they're looking at. There, there's a greater loss in muscle mass in the time-restricted eating group, but that's everything you're speaking to. We don't know what kind of uh, proteins and things were breaking down. Like, what if they had, you know, extra inflammation around joint capsules or different things like that? Like, we don't know specifically where that change is happening. And uh, and then the fat mass loss, the numbers. So there was visceral loss. Um, so in the regular eating group, they went from, this is in kilograms again, 0. 0.625 kilograms. It actually increased to 0. 0.634. So there was an increase in visceral mass eating the way that they, Typically did, but their visceral mass went down not by much, but went from 0.58 down to 0.576, um, which is a sig- insignificant drop. But it, the the lowest it went in the control gr- in the group was down to 0.48, uh, so that was a, a difference of 0.1, uh, which is much bigger. And in the control group, uh, something similar went down to the, the lowest number was down to a 0.53. Um, so a similar in the, in the best individuals in the study, they had, you know, a, a significant change and whether someone was on the regular diet or the not. So I can see how they came up with those comparisons. But again, it's like there was still this noticeable change happening in the intermittent fasting group and just a, a, like a minor loss in in muscle mass and then and then people run with that and go oh my god it's gonna cause all this muscle loss and i mean it's amazing i mean we just talked about this before we got on the call actually we were like you know how are those amino acids going because we both you know done some increased doses at, you know after talking with uh, dr minkoff a little bit more and just kind of saturating the bodies with more aminos and we we're kind of saying like they, they have this hormonal like response in the body. I mean, they, you, and when you've got more of this fuel in the body or the like, and again, amino acids are muscle building, you know, detox, immune brain function. They're part of your cell membranes. Right. And they, when you get more juice in your body, you have more juice to work with, and so you can, you know, you're just saying that you're just doing, you know, regular yoga and some some body weight basic stuff right now, and you're, no- you're noticing an increased density in your muscle right now, and so I think it's just really interesting to to see how we can use our fasting tools plus a supplementation regimen, but also knowing the inconsistencies or the blind spots in your, in your, you know, blood work or your toxicity levels or what have you and find out where you as an individual is stuck and why you're stuck in that weight loss resistance. I think that's all super important. Um, information. I know I kind of went on a tangent and talked about the actual numbers and then over to amino acids, but I wanted to sort of segue into like, what would we do with, if we saw these patients, you know, what would we do for them? Um, What strategy would we uh, incorporate if we were to grab some of those uh, test subjects and say, Hey, let's, let's give it another try, but let's do it the way that we usually do it.
0: Well, I think the two main things that we would just focus on to simplify it for our listeners is what are you deficient in and what are, you, what are the toxicities? Let's reduce the toxicities and let's give you your building blocks that you're not getting. And that is not cookie cutter for anybody, everybody yeah. listening. This is customized to every single individual because we're all different and need different things. So, but that's the theme of what has to happen. So I think in this study, if they would have done something as simple as that, let's take away some toxicities for both groups. Let's take away the deficiencies and then have them fast. I bet you would have saw completely different numbers, man. Completely yeah. different numbers.
1: You know, the, the other small thing that I would have done, again, for our, our obese patients, I get them none of those two meals in that smaller window time. You know, get rid of that third meal. And just see what that does. You know, even if they did that, you know, three days out of the seven days of the week, I bet you we would see uh, more of a movement. And then, you know, more of the diet variation strategies, throw in the one meal a day, once a week, you know, uh, as well. And, so, yeah, just to add to what, what you said there is like, what are we getting too much of? What are we not getting enough of? And then let's just throw in a little more variation into the schedule and I've, and we would see things. We, we know because we see patients go through oh, this.
0: We know that it moves things. There would have been a completely different study just from those three changes. Yeah. Like massive. Yeah, totally. And so, that you know, one thing just goes to show though, man, I think this is like you said earlier, this is a good thing because – I think it's going to stir the pot enough to get a lot of other people to come forward to do more studies, yeah. but hopefully they'll be doing the right studies, showing these different variables when they're put into play. And then the massive changes that you get, because as you and I have experienced it from our health and then from teaching others, it's a game changer, man. Like, I mean, we we've talked about this as one of our early episodes, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Use the force. Yeah. So it it's it's definitely one of those things that i think for anybody listening if you haven't done it this shouldn't sway you from from moving on with it and just find somebody to help you do it that knows what they're doing and then for the ones that are experienced you're probably listening thinking oh i love fasting i feel better and you you already experienced all that because you've probably been taught right and you have a good practice so yeah, man, it, it it's, it's, uh, for me, it's a lifer, man. It's, it's yeah. a life practice for me.
1: So we're, I mean, we kind of touch on it and maybe we said enough, but I just, I also just want to acknowledge that, you know, let's not create a dogma around anything, you know, like I I also encourage people not to get too hyperchondriac about, you know, their, their diet or like, am I doing my fasting pro- program perfectly enough? So, like, when, it, when do you think there is too much fasting going on for somebody? And, you know, when, when does it become a problem?
0: Well, for one, I would say anybody who has any kind of issues with self-image when it comes to weight, this is definitely not something you should be doing. Um, and, you know, a couple other things with it, man. Um, just like anything that's good for you, too much of it can be bad for you. So like I keep hitting home, like you need to have a professional help you with this tool because it is a tool to improve your overall health. But just like any tool, we can hurt ourselves with these tools as well. Okay? Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's not hard. It's not something difficult to learn. And it's just kind of having a foundation and understanding the principles of it. And then once you understand how that works with your lifestyle, completely fine. Mm-hmm. I and mean, one of the biggest things that we talk about with people is understand there's feast and famine modes. And, like, I don't ever go extended periods, man. Like, that's just a biggie for me. Like, I do have periods where I do intermittent fasting, and I'm in more of a restricted mode for a little while with my eating uh, variations. But then I go right back, and I swing, and I feast. Like, I'm in feast mode right now, and I'm having a lot of fun. I get to eat of food. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, like, that's you know, you just talk about these principles, right? Yeah. So, um, I think uh, I don't know what else you would add to that, man. Um,
1: yeah, no, I think I think that's that's perfect because um, you know, the, I think the big thing is is that, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, if if someone has body image concerns and, you know, they're, they're deep in their, you know, emotional pain with regards to, um, you know, eating disorder or, you know, really struggling with food addiction and whatnot, there's probably a better way to, to work with this, you know, and, and, you know, maybe it's you focus a little bit more on what you eat first before you start to move into restriction. Because at the end of the day, we want to have a really healthy relationship with food. Because I think on that psychological aspect that food can start to become quote unquote bad, um, if we're stuck in that sort of body centric view of, of, food and weight and, and, where we are with our emotional pain. And so I think, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought some attention to that because I think that's a really, really important place. And, you know, we for those types of, you know, individuals, or if you're listening and you feel like that's part of your story, you know, let's, this, you just need to find, um, you know, again, someone to work with to support you on that process, um, but also, you know, try to find the, the gentleness in it, and find your love of food. Um, and when you're, you're seeing that fasted state and seeing how good you feel, just know that, that that next day will come. You know, you you can still feel good and find a healthy balance of doing a time restricted eating plan. You know, with feast days and things like that. Um, and feast. Speaking of feast days, I mean, our Canadian Thanksgiving is coming up this coming weekend. And so mm-hmm. we're in the middle of taking our, uh, our metabolic fix group through a, a process. And we just said, you know, we, we actually postponed our, our uh, talk night to the day after the weekend, just so that people wouldn't feel guilty about, <laughs> you know, having their feast days because it's important. We should be blessed by the food that we eat and we should enjoy it. And we shouldn't, you know, shame ourselves for enjoying the food. And cause I, you know, and that's where we don't want the pendulum to swing in that other, that other direction where we start to, um, you know, create that negative attachment towards it.
0: I love that imagery of how you put that, man. Because there's so much, um, there's balance in fasting and in eating. Yeah. Right? Like, that's the biggest thing that I'll hit it and finish it with is, I love food, man. I love to eat. You saw me at men's camp. We <laughs> ate a lot of really good food and I love to eat. Yeah. um and i eat with you all over vancouver i mean i love to eat man i love to yeah. cook i love to be in the kitchen i have a, a huge people laugh my patience because i when i go travel i know all the good restaurants to go eat at because of where i'm going but um but I, I love fasting too man but it's it's being appreciative of both ends of that polarity there a little bit where you find that balance that stillness between the both and like you're saying I and mean, then food's just so much better Mm-hmm. but then you feel so much better when you have a good practice of fasting. Yeah. So I don't, yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, I think, I think that's, that's good brother. I like, you know, we, I think we hit on some of those, those main points of study. I encourage you, if you haven't read it yet, take a look at it. And I think the, another message, you know, outside of the world of fasting that, that we all want to leave you with is just don't be a headline reader. You know, if don't even get sucked into it, if you're not going to take the time to read the article, just, just scroll on by, you know, just try to, don't, don't let in your consciousness. And when you hear someone say that, oh, fat's bad, or I heard that fasting's bad now, or whatever that is, you know, sh- I would love to read the article. Again, if that's of interest to you, but what's most important outside of all that is like your intuition. How do you feel? How, how do you feel doing it? Do you feel like there's a negative attachment? Do you feel like there's an addictive behavior that's coming in? Is there, and is there anything that's, you know, not supporting you in whatever practice you're doing. Uh, and if you feel good about it, you know, if that's not you and you feel just really authentically good about it and you're noticing the improvements that you're doing, you must be doing something right because your body would tell you otherwise. So I think that that's an important uh, message to leave people with is that, you know, be your own doctor, be, you know, tap into that power of intuition. How do you feel? Uh, don't let a study or headline
0: determine how you feel. Buddy, you got total yogi mode right there. I love it. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better. Very well, man. Well, we have said it, it
1: before, so.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. Very nice.
1: All right, guys. Well, that was another episode of the Dr. Dad's Podcast. Um, you know, we're loving this process. We're learning a ton. Uh, hoping you guys are enjoying the, uh, the journey with us as well. Thank you for all your subscribes and all your shares and your comments. Uh, we, we really appreciate it.
0: And, uh, we're here to stay so go ahead love you guys thank you for the listens uh really appreciate the follows uh we're growing our community and we're having a blast doing it me and nick love this so we appreciate you all yeah thanks so much good to see you again brother you too brother love you man thanks for listening if you enjoyed today's podcast please be sure to subscribe to the dr dads and share with your family and friends You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.